Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Uh, this is going to be episode 290, and uh, we're going to talk about Top Game, uh, not Top Golf. I know a lot of you guys are excited about uh, Top Golf, but we're talking about Top Game. Uh, we're talking about the smashing pressure, getting on top, forcing your will on people, and uh, we're going to have a good time. And I've got my co host, Byron Jabara and Joe Thomas. How are you two guys today? Man, I'm doing good, Gary. It's good to be on here with you. Awesome. And Byron, are you there? Yep. Back on top, Gary. On top. There Doing we go. Good. We're, ex- we're excited about this topic. This is the last episode of the month, and we like to have that be a topic episode where the three of us will uh, you know, dive in deep or a little deeper than usual <laughs> and uh, talk about a certain topic. And, and I thought, you know, top game, who doesn't uh, enjoy a good discussion about, you know, playing a little bit of top game versus bottom or bad position or submissions or whatever but talking about just you know passing guards and like gary says pressure different top positions it's gonna be amazing well it'll be pretty good <laughs> yeah speaking of amazing you all need to check out byron's audiobook your first year in bjj it's not one hour, not two hours, but two and a half hours of content, um, basically walking you through uh, everything you're going to encounter in your first year, which we feel is your toughest year. And if we can give a little bit of advice, I mean, let's put it this way. If Byron can give a little bit of advice, because I have nothing to do with this, if Byron can give you some advice to help you make it through your first year, enjoy that first year much more, get more out of it, uh, you know, tips for learning, uh, it'll make that year much better make it a lot uh make it so you'll enjoy jujitsu for the long term stick with it um so check it out we have a link to it in the show notes uh, uh audiobook your first year in bjj it is getting great reviews i think it's even getting better reviews than this podcast itself you know and most of you know we've talked about this podcast as a award-winning uh, number three ranked or number two ranked i can't remember uh podcast in the in the nation and um but the <laughs> audiobook is uh, just as good if not better are you sure that was just nationwide, Gary? I thought that might have been worldwide. Worldwide, yeah, probably worldwide. I, I think yeah. so. Yeah. We, in the, in the martial arts category, according to one poll. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's the only poll we look at, Byron. Well, I know, Byron, you look at a lot of different polls. Oh, man. That's the only poll I check out. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear. You got you to gotta pick the one, I guess, Gary. There's there's Gary there's Gary going on and on with our jokes again. I didn't mean that to be a joke. <laughs> Byron took it the wrong way. <laughs> Giggity. All right, guys. I'm gonna we have an off the mat lesson every episode. We like to either take something on or off the mat and discuss how it could relate to jujitsu. And the theme the last couple has been uh, firefighting. And Gary last episode asked how I would. Uh, try to save somebody, or specifically Gary, who is uh, trapped in a bedroom and uh, his house is on fire. Is that about right? That's right. Definitely right. Okay. So this will be uh, from the perspective of somebody who shows up at like the first unit on scene. And 
it's really important if if there's somebody else already outside or if our dispatchers have talked to somebody and got more information that is a lot of help i'd like to get a quick interview of anybody who is uh, like standing outside and and really freaking out like the homeowner if you could find somebody who's not a neighbor looking at this thing even neighbors aren't bad to, to talk to but generally we get there I'm, I'm putting on some gear and, and still getting ready, not just ready to just barge in the, the door. And so I'll stand near uh, somebody outside and I'll ask them some questions. You know, is anybody in the house? Where's the fire? What's the, you know, where, and if, if the fire is like downstairs, you know, how do you get downstairs? And, and these sort of questions. And the, the very first one is, is anybody still in the house? And in this situation, <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, Gary's still in the house. He's in the bedroom. And that that's great to know, but I'm going to... I'm going to take, say, show me which window is Gary's or, or where you think he is. And they're going to take me over to a particular window. It could be ground floor or, you know, second or Gary, which, which floor are we on here? Ground floor or is second? Ground floor. Ground floor. Great. If it was second, I'd grab a ladder and we'd, it'd be okay. But so ground floor, uh, we're going to, uh, I'm going to tell somebody I'm, I need to tell the the crew that I'm going to do something that's a little unusual because typically uh, we don't have people trapped in fires most of the time they get out but because of this situation Gary has uh, not been able to uh, get himself out of this, this house uh, I'm going to go through the window and try to save him versus go through the front door and, and, tr- and try to save him and I'm not even going to take uh, a hose line it's just going to be I go in and get Gary because uh, without him the podcast would probably be a little shorter and probably oh, a little bit great. funnier. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, so you go up there, get, get all my stuff on, get it all ready, 100% ready to go in, uh, break the window. I We have some tools that, that are very good at breaking windows. Uh, clear it, pop in the window, and then go in, and hopefully Gary's in there, but close the door to the bedroom. Buys quite a bit of time. And then get Gary, get him out the window, and he's safe. The the other option is to go through the front door, uh, possibly fighting some fire along the way, and find Gary in that bedroom, and then either get him out the way we came, which sometimes can be very hot, hot and tricky, or break the window and get him out through that way. But the preferred method most of the time is is called VES, Vent enter and then search so you vent the window you break the window you get in you enter the 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 room Uh, now if this is done and you don't close that bedroom door it just draws uh smoke and and eventually fire rather quickly uh through the bedroom and it cooks everything in there so you don't just want to break the window and piddle around outside there and and then eventually get in when the window's broken you've got a little timer going to get this uh this problem solved and that's really kind of what we're looking at for the uh, off the mat lesson is is well I didn't explain that sorry <laughs> the the problem with going through the front door is it might be a little quicker if you knew the house but because I've got I've got somebody who says Gary's probably in this room this window right here there's zero chance of me getting lost between outside and that window now if if they say, you know, go in, take a left, it's going to be your third door on the right, or what, that is very difficult to do in a smoky situation. And it could be, I could easily take a wrong turn or not find it. And so it's such an advantage to go directly from the outside to the room you want to be in and then back out. And it's it's quick too. So uh, it's just a direct way to get the problem solved. 
And like in jujitsu, sometimes we talk about having a funnel to uh, get the match or get the role where you want it to be. And the most direct path is going to going to lead you to a a lot more efficiency with your success. So if the only way I'm going to submit Gary is by some funky uh, north south uh, choke or Henway. Hen, like a, yeah, like a north south Henway. Uh, <laughs> first, I have to. Uh, either get top or sweep him, and then possibly pass his guard, and then you know go from side control to that that position. Quite a bit of things. Not that those are all bad, but if if I'm going to attack him directly from my guard, it's just a more uh, direct thing to, that puts him in trouble a little sooner. And it's just like a, a direct attack versus a, an indirect attack. Direct would be go right to the window, get the job done as quick as possible, uh, with less chances of of. Uh, of room for error because anytime that Gary can mess up my plan for attacking, let's say he sweeps me. Okay, well, the odds of me getting north south are pretty slim if I'm on the bottom, <laughs> or unless he does it to me. But uh, there's just less problems to run into if it's a simple plan, and and that's that's the point of having a a, a vest, a vent inner search attack to, to to save somebody is is super simple. You know the window, you go in, you get him, and you get him out the get him outside. And if if you if you don't know like like a real simple be takedowns if you're good at takedowns use that in every match unless they pull guard on you but um it it's just it's just right there it's right now there's no confusion getting to that point if you if you hate passing people's guards but you should be pulling guard <laughs> that's a lot easier than having to pass someone's guard if you're terrible at it it's just get the match where you want it to be as quick as possible and uh. And I think that's an easy way to uh, to start things, if, if at all if possible. Because you have another good person who's trying to do the same thing to you. No, that's a, it's a good life lesson, Byron. Um, while, while you're wrapping it up there, I was thinking about it in a more general term, how you can apply that same concept to all of your jujitsu. And in my mind, the way you do that is by really sharpening your takedowns, passes, and uh, sweeps so that you're going directly to a dominant position and not getting hung up in some type of a guard or something. You're talking about the the most direct route to a dominant position. If you're taking your opponent down and you can avoid getting hung up in some sort of half guard, you're way clo- that's a way more direct route to where you want to go. When you sweep your opponent, if you could sweep straight into the mounted position, that's about as direct of a, a path as you can get, but at least if you can get side control, not hump in a, in a guard. Uh, so yeah, work out those things. And, and then this will apply across the board to all of your jujitsu. Byron, I want to give you a hand. I really like how you took the vest, uh, took your job and, and, you know, made it into jujitsu. And, and I really like it where you're talking about where find out where, I'm at, you know, the quickest path, the easiest pass to a dominant position, to a submission, uh, saving me, you know, let's, let's equate that to a submission. You go from the outside, you just go in and then you come right back out versus, like you said, if you have to go in that front door, you're going to run into so many different obstacles. You're going to run into my 
you know, uh, stairway. You don't know whether to come up and down, you know, go up the stairs or go down the stairs. And that's going to be like somebody's frames. Uh, you know, you got to, you got to take care of the frames and you pass the frames and you get upstairs and there's three doorways. You don't know which doorway you're going in. That's like somebody's underhook. They're already coming up. They're getting a tight weight, weight grab. They're looking to sweep you. So if you just don't take the most direct route, as you said, funnel them down to where, you know, you're at where you have your opponent in your most advantageous position, you're going to run into a lot more obstacles that's going to make this job much harder. So uh, I really like the way you explain that, and uh, it's pretty cool. Congratulations, Byron. That was that one I didn't know if I could get, but that was awesome. Well, thanks, Gary, and uh, you kind of inspired that one with your question from last week yeah hey i do have another question uh, <laughs> every time no yes, but maybe it, this will be next week yeah this made me think of another uh uh firefighting thing and and i'm not a firefighter i have no clue what firefighters do besides talking to byron and a couple of his buddies but back in the day byron when i was in in elementary school and, and i wonder if joe because we're kind of the same age if joe dealt with this firefighters used to come to our school and talk to us at about, you know, stop, drop, and roll, and, you know, whatever else there is. But they would always give us a sticker, and we used to go home, and we'd put this sticker on our window, and it used to tell the firefighters, you know, that there's a kid in this room or there's somebody sleeping in this room, kind of like what you were saying, you talk to the neighbors. Uh, how come I don't ever see that anymore? It don't seem like it's done. It seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would say oh. that we've gotten away from that here in Wichita. I, if if we see that, we'll look for it. A lot of times, they'll say, you know, you know, two kids and a and a puppy or something like that. But I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe you know, people move and the, the signs get confusing and they leave them up. Or I I don't know. It, my preferred method is to grab somebody and ask them because even neighbors know how many people live there typically. And you, we but, always assume people are in the house regardless. Yeah, we're trying to know where our bedrooms are, you yeah. know, because a lot of times you don't hang out with the neighbors unless you, you know, it's the uh, neighbors. You might not know them. You just wait yeah. to them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And it's because uh, I definitely don't invite my neighbors in my bedroom. Hey, guys, am I the only one of the three of us that's uh, cynical and paranoid? I, I'm not putting a sticker on a window. Honestly, I wouldn't. That makes sense now. I. I that does make a lot of sense now, Joe. I, I see that. Um, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. You don't want predators to know where your your kids are. That yeah, I think Joe Joe's the smart one out of all of us. Joe figured it this. out. Yep. I'm just, I'm just Joe, I want to give you the hand. <laughs> oh man! But no, I bet that is the reason. I bet that really is the reason right there. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Think about uh, you know custody disputes and yeah. Predators, yeah, that's my guess. Yep. Man, we got some smart people on this show. <laughs> well, Joe. We got a smart person on this show. <laughs> uh, yep, there we go. So a little teamwork on that one. Thank you, Joe. Gary, what do we have for the quote of the week? Well, you know, I always get a little nervous when you ask me what we have for the quote because I feel like you're setting me up. But um, Gary, yeah, hold on a minute because this this is worth. What are you talking about? You know, every time you ask me to read the quote, it's by some fake name, and I say it, and then you guys start laughing. <laughs> like what? Because you funnel me down the wrong path. Uh, what do you have? Uh, IP freely one time, <laughs> and it was the letter I. 
period P and then the last name was Freely and I said it and you guys laughed and I know you've got me more than once so but I think I'm okay reading the quote um, okay, this week we have a, so we are, have a quote you, are you willing to say that there's nothing suspicious about this quote uh, we'll find out okay but, uh, <laughs> this quote is from Dale Carnegie remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language yeah I don't think it's a joke Byron. <laughs> I don't see it maybe it is nobody started laughing right we're off laughing the right now what does that what does yeah. that mean you know I don't necessarily believe it uh, oh. I don't think hearing my name is the most important sound in a language well, you it, don't think if you you don't think if you heard your name every week uh, and highlighted in some public fashion that that would you don't think that'd be a good thing? It's a good. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. I could be highlighted because I'm a predator. <laughs> I could be highlighted for something else. Uh, but but Joe and Gary, when you when you I guys think I'd hear, hear money, uh, food, but but when jiu-jitsu. you hear that if somebody says Gary and you're in a large room, do you turn your head? I turn my head, yeah. yeah. But that's not the sweetest. Well, with a name like Gary. Yeah. That's not the sweetest thing. And I don't know if it's the most important. I think the most important sound may, may be breathing. That means oh. I'm alive. Man, Gary, you usually don't have I an think, issue with the quotes. Gary, I think the most important sound is gurgling, because that means I know <laughs> I've almost got the choke. <laughs> you got the back. You got the hooks in. You're, you got the choke. Yeah, perfect. I like that. Gurgling or, or tap, 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 tap. You know, you're you're in a good position. Well, this, this I think this quote comes from, and I could be wrong, but like the book, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. If it comes That's like if problem. somebody's new to the gym and you could remember oh, their name okay. and you to see them next week, hey, Gary, welcome back. Does Great. that not sound like, that. like good? Does that not yeah. make you feel welcome? Man, going down that path, you're funneling us down that path, Byron, that is great. Because, uh, you know, I've talked about that. You've talked about it. Joe's talked about it. You know, we want to grow jiu-jitsu, and it's hard uh, being the new guy to come to jiu-jitsu. And it's awkward because you probably don't know anybody. You don't know what you're getting into. But if somebody remembers your name, yeah, that is definitely, a, you know, you go into a place that's unfamiliar. You don't know anybody, and somebody calls out your name. That would be the most sweetest and most important sound right there. Yeah, I agree with that context. That's awesome. Gary. But okay, so let's say I'm walking. I'm in jail. You know, they just put me in jail. <laughs> and, and, and I'm walking Something through Something we talk the, about uh, a lot on this show. I yeah, don't know why. Through the pod. And I hear my name. And it's from, uh, you know, the, the leader of the jailhouse, you know, gang. I don't know if I'd want to hear my name at that point. I might get a little nervous at that point. But it does, uh, yeah, you could take this to the, one example or one extreme or the other. You know, like what if they're waiting to call out lottery numbers and they call out your name, Gary, or, you know, something like that. But if if you meet somebody and they remember your name, that makes you feel good. That does make you feel good. Because, you know, hearing your name, we all do this. My name is a little more rare than your guys's, a little bit, maybe a lot more rare. Byron. When I hear Byron... of the time, someone's asking me something. You know, it's rare that I am in the same room with another Byron. Uh, Joe, you probably have, you know, I don't know, maybe when when Joe was a kid, he had, you know, school, and maybe you too, Gary, you go by, like, uh, 
JT or something like that instead of Joe because no, you got I don't three other Joes in there. Would, I don't think anybody would call me JT. Why not? It would have been cool if they did, though. Because <laughs> those kids been. are cool. <laughs> no, I was with you, Byron. I okay. really never had any other Garys. Oh, I can no. think of two other Garys that I grew up with, and then one Gary that I, two Garys that I worked with. So, what you do right away yeah. is you beat up the other Gary, and then everybody knows which Gary not to mess with. <laughs> well, the problem was most of this; these Garys I knew were before I did jujitsu, so oh. I couldn't really beat anybody up. Well, Gary, I picked those quotes special for you. Why? Thank you. You're welcome. And now I'll play a little clip I have edited of, uh, you know, Gary getting pranked on since the beginning of the year. So sit back, Gary, and enjoy. This prank goes back to the very first episode of the new year, episode 283. This is where we discover the idea. We have a quote from Mary, and Gary makes a big deal about the name rhyming. Let's go ahead and play this little clip. <laughs> we have Mary Pickford, and I guess I'm taking this one because Mary rhymes with Gary. So uh, <laughs> That's exactly I that what would we were be... thinking. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that should go to me. Uh, but this quote goes with kind of what we're talking about. So that's the beginning of the quote. Very next episode, 284, we decided to go full-on Gary Quotes and see where it took us. Here's our very first one. Well, let's get on with the quote of the week here. Uh, The quote is from Gary Vaynerchuk. Without hustle, your talent will only get you so far. A little later on, Gary, you got a comment about the quote and who it's by. But that was a quote from Gary Vaynerchuk. Guys, got a hustle. What a a great name. Vaynerchuk. Yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I was thinking the Gary part. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 284, Gary Vaynerchuk quote were great. But we run into a little problem when Gary wants to suggest the quote for next week. And it's not by a Gary. So I really have to insist that we talk about this line right now and bury it in episode 284. That way next week we can have a Gary quote. So good try, Gary. You had no idea, but you about ruined our uh, Gary quote prank. I think we got a good quote for next week. What? You don't have to be the best. You just have to be enough. And on that day, I was enough. We should do that right now. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to talk about it, but then I was like, hey, maybe we'll save it for next week. Talk about it. Well, okay. <clears throat> Bring it up, Gary. Well, if we would have used that quote, we wouldn't have been able to use this quote by a Gary the very next week. The paradox is that sometimes you have to get worse before you get better. That's by Gary Mack, and Gary Mack wrote the uh, famous book Mind Gym, uh, An Athlete's Guide to Inner Excellence. And And as we were wrapping up the quote, of course, Gary, you got a comment about the guy's name. Yeah, that's that's an interesting quote. And the guy's got an awesome first name. You're right about that, Gary. He's Um, got two first names, actually. That's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're interested in this sort of uh, mental game... All right, this next one I attributed to you, Gary, because (laughs) you changed the quote slightly. Uh, The the quote that I'm familiar with is, sticks in the bundle are not easily broken. But the the Gary way to say this quote is, sticks in the bundle are unbreakable, which I have never heard that, but I've only heard it, I guess, from you. Well, also, Gary, you don't only just bring the... uh, 
you know, the good transitions there. Our quote of the week is from Gary. Well, you know, you think about it. When we're lost on the island, you know, (laughs) we need to be able to use the natural resources. You know, we use sticks to build huts. We use sticks to make fire. We use sticks to make spears uh, for self-defense and to feed ourselves. And, you know, one, uh, I thought a really good quote that I saw this week, sticks in a bundle are unbreakable. Let's put that unbreakable bundle aside and take a look at the next week's quote. Here we go. We have a quote this week from D. Gary Young. I was told that I couldn't do it. I was stupid. I was crazy. But because I believed in my dreams, I accomplished them. All right, to keep this going strong, let's keep moving. Let's see what we had next week. Okay, guys, so that brings us to our quote of the week by Gary Kasparov, a notable chess player. It says, attackers may sometimes regret bad moves, but it is much worse to forever regret an opportunity you allowed to pass you by. And I suppose this, uh, this quote has an application both to in the moment when you're doing jiu-jitsu and bigger picture. Uh, certainly, especially competition, you know, maybe it's a real close match or you're, or you're down by a few points. And, of course, it wouldn't be the same without a little Gary name confusion play. I'll go ahead and throw that clip in. That's a good one, Gary. Just to, are so, you talking to me or are you talking to oh, Gary Kasparov? Either, either one. <laughs> All right. This will be the last one here uh, from Gary Robbins. Get Gary to read it here. And uh, from here, <laughs> running out of Gary's. But uh, these were some good quotes, and it was kind of fun sliding them underneath the detection of our very own Gary. Kind of leads us to a good quote we have this week from Gary Robbins. Uh, Any day above ground is a good day, son. I don't think anyone who is given another shot at life would ever find issue with a rainy day again. All right, that was a lot of fun. Uh, It spans from episode 283 to 289. If you're interested in hearing those as they actually happen, go back and uh, listen to the quotes there towards the beginning of the show. Uh, A lot of good stuff in there from the Garys. Gary! Yes. <laughs> Which one? You know, the crazy thing is I never realized how many Gary quotes were back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> well, that was kind of the point, I guess. I, let's even get away with it. And uh, it became where like it was getting longer and longer and I was like I have all these little clips saved up and I was like we gotta end this thing because I don't want this to be like an hour long old quotes that say that are from Gary (laughs) yeah but you know real quick I know you guys have all heard about that the English actor Gary Oldman you know was born March 21st 1958 and I would like to bring in a quote he said you choose your friends by their character and your socks by their color. And the one thing that I have really messed up on is the first part. I have chosen my friends not by their character. And I'm going to have to now choose friends by their character. Not by their color. What? Of my socks. I basically just said I have two less friends now. Oh, I see, Gary. Because their character is not good enough. 
Well, we know you're quite the character. <laughs> also, in in one of those shows, we did the uh, Larry, Curly, and Mo, and you cued in on rhyming with with Larry. <laughs> Didn't clip it, so I was like, I can't go through and edit this thing anymore than I already have. <laughs> but uh, you know, and then look at the quote of the week, Gary. This week, what do we got this week? Well, we already covered it, but it's you talk about your name and how important it is to you. <laughs> oh yeah. Which but bring, it didn't have a Gary. In it, it didn't have a Gary, but it it, uh, it you know remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language, Gary. <laughs> I don't know. Was it the was it the uh, craziest prank by any means? But uh, I, no, it it's was been, good. It's been fun slipping in uh, Gary quotes and then trying to find Gary quotes. Man, we kind of were all over the place. You know what I like to say. What other people think of me is none of my business. And that's another quote by Gary Oldman. Man, I, I, I uh, didn't know there was quite a uh, library of Gary Oldman quotes. Well, you know, Gary Oldman, I, I like this one too. I rarely ask to play the smartest man in the room. You guys have figured that one out. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> It was a, it was a bit of a stretch because the one of the ones in the middle was the uh, sticks in a bundle are are unbreakable, and as far as I could tell, that's not how the quote originally was was said. So I, if you look on the website, I credit that to you, Gary, <laughs> by pioneering <laughs> that one because the well is isn't it also just a proverb as opposed to a quote? Oh, there, well, the quote with Gary says it, but it's a proverb if, if you if it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very nicely done. We should have a proverb of the week instead of the quote. Break that down. Well, Gary, you know, I just break it on down for me. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you kind of uh, even this episode, we're a little cautious about reading the quote because we were worried we we're going to throw something weird at you. <laughs> that's why I tried. That's why I got here late. I thought something crazy was going on. We had time to plan. Well, what's going on next? So we're going to talk about the top game. And I figured the easiest way to start this would just be to share some of our own experiences with, uh, you know, playing jiu-jitsu and, and our feelings about top game. Uh, I'll start. I played uh, guard primarily, white belt, blue belt, purple belt. Purple belt, I was like a guard guy. Like, I always pull guard. And then around brown belt level, I started learning the pass guard a lot better and really enjoyed that. Now, as a black belt, I prefer to be on top. Uh, I I enjoy trying to pass a guard more than I enjoy trying to sweep somebody or submit them from my guard. So um, it, it's it's kind of changed, and that's, I think that's pretty normal for some people to kind of have one preference or another and have it switch kind of seasonally, you know, over the years. Uh, Joe, tell me a little bit about your your top game or bottom game history or preference. Well. I would prefer to play a top game, but, uh, you know, it takes a lot of energy to, to get a takedown, or even if you're starting from your knees, it sometimes takes a lot of energy to get that top position. And so, honestly, I often concede the top position and, uh, you know, kind of try and be patient and let my training partner or my opponent spend some energy and try some things and then look for an opportunity to uh, reverse position from there. So uh, that's how I usually end up on top. And when I get on top, I like uh, top uh, side control or uh, top half guard, and I work from there usually. How about you, Gary? You know, I'm kind of with you, you Joe. 
Um, I started off uh, when I was a little bit younger, uh, being a top position guy, and you know had had some success there. And uh, then I started working bottom game just to you know round out my game. And as I started getting older, I, I you know, I run in a situation with you, Joe. I I sometimes just feel it's easier to uh, you know settle for the bottom game and work from there. And, uh, you know, I've kind of now tailored my game to it, but here in the last couple of years, I've really been working a lot more, you know, top game pressure, you know, so I keep going back and forth. Uh, you know, I really prefer the bottom game. Um, but if, if I was, if everything was equal, I would, you know, try to smash every time, try to be on top. But, uh, I just think as I get a little bit older, the bottom game allows me to relax a little bit more, makes me stay a little bit safer. And when I say safer, injury-wise, and, you know, I, I do have a lot of submissions uh, that I can go for that are, you know, kind of my favorite submissions from those positions. So the the, the top game, to me, is less energy-intensive to maintain, versus it's it's a little bit of energy spent at the beginning to get it i if we're if we're starting from our knees i don't mess with it at all if if gary and i start from the knees he he will either just sit down and, and start from butterfly guard or i'll do the same like we, we both don't do the same thing so it, it, within the first three se- seconds somebody has decided you know what i'll play bottom you can play top um I I discourage any you know fighting from your knees for a top position. That's not a very. You might as well stand up if you have room in the class to to do that because, um, it's just like a kind of a waste of time to and energy really to fight from your knees when the correct answer would be to stand up or to not fight from your knees and just the reason why we're starting on our knees anyway sometimes is because it's just safer. It's safer for the people around us to not get landed on and you know takedowns are one of the more injury prone activities we do. So even if you want to play top, if you're starting from your knees, I still don't urge you to push and, and, and kind of be that, that person who, who refuses to uh, play bottom ever. Do you think most people have a preference guys? I do. I think most people have a preference, something that they, they feel more comfortable with. They have uh, more paths to their submissions. Um, and, you know, I do think learning the top game is probably the most important. That's kind of how I feel. I think that's the way you should start. But uh, I do think most people have a preference. I wonder if most people have a preference, though, kind of based on, on what they were forced into uh, by the culture yeah. of their gym. You know, good if point. you're yeah, if you're in a gym with a bunch of guys that are top players and good at takedowns, you're you're just by default going to get better at your bottom game earlier, and then you're going to say, oh well, that's what I prefer because I'm good at it. And then the next evolution may be that uh, you're rolling with a bunch of guard players, and you know now you're playing a top game, and six months later, or a year later, you might say, oh, I prefer top game. I wonder if that's the case. I, I bet that is, Joe. I, I bet you know because you're coming into this game, you have no clue what you're doing or, or how you're going to go about uh, jujitsu and, and you're going to pick up from what your teammates, what your coach, you know, teaches you. And, uh, normally, uh, your school is going to fall in line with your coach. If you have a big, uh, pressure as, as I know, Byron, uh, your school is a really big top game pressure guys. And, um, you know, and, and that is Byron's game there too. So, uh, I do think you, uh, 
you take on the characteristics of your gym, your teammates, your coach? I say generally yes, but we still I think in every gym there's people who who don't and then they become really good at dealing with those people. We we have people that that I outweigh by 20 pounds that I I can't smash them because they're so uh good at avoiding pressure. And they and they play bottom game. It's like and I can't I <laughs> I can't apply pressure to this person in a way to make them uh you know be in a bad posi- uh, situation and make them make some mistakes. Uh they're just they're good at avoiding that, and and they, uh, they're just they're just kind of going against the grain of of the typical person at the school, which gives them a lot of good practice. I think for me, when I when I was first starting out, I I couldn't win the fight for top game, and so it was just so much easier to pull guard, and then I had some. It, it feels good to have some things to at least attempt. You know, I, I, arm bar triangle. Okay, that's that's what I'm gonna try. And whether it works or not, I at least had an idea of what I was trying to do. Uh, I wasn't really comfortable playing top game uh, because I just never, never really spent much time there. You know, all the way through. I think I don't know. It, I remember being like guard guy pro belt. I'm sure I had some some top uh, phases in, as blue and white belt that I that I liked it, but. Uh, it's just it's just hard for me to get to it and then work on it. Well, I could get to guard any time and then get to work pretty quickly. So I think it was, uh, and I think it's common, just by necessity. Like I have, if I'm playing something, I could either play bottom side control or guard because I'm not going to be playing top side control because uh, I can't get there. And so I was kind of uh, forced into that, and it didn't really bother me. At what point uh, do you think do you think guys start to sort of figure it out and go their own way as opposed to just reacting what's forced on them? Like Byron, you're saying you got good at bottom game because you weren't going to win that top game battle, and and we talked about how you go back and forth with your gym. But at some point, you start to just persevere with what you want to do. You think that's purple brown belt? Where was it for you, Byron? I think it depends on the on the people in the room with you. I mean, you could easily. Uh, you know, picture a lot of gyms where a blue belt is like the top dog, just because it's a, it's a newer gym, smaller gym, or it's just uh, you know, just who hasn't really hit that area quite yet, to where there's a bunch of black belts around. So, purple belt, you know, if he wants to play top top uh, game all the time, no problem. Or or you know, uh, somebody who wrestled a lot doesn't have to play that uh, a bottom game. They they could they could pull that out and play top game at their will. I do credit the, the wrestlers that come in and they want to learn guard and they want to, to learn those. And, and that's really a, that always inspires me. It's like this person is going to, is going to understand you. So they're going to really pick it up because they're not just playing to the strengths. They're picking up an area where they could work on. Yeah. So what you're saying is when you get good enough that there's a significant n- a number of students in class where you can dictate where the game goes, then you kind of have the freedom of choosing your own direction. Yeah, and it might it might vary drastically from role to role, but I do feel that we get stuck in these things. Like you know, Gary likes to Kimura me from from his guard, and if that's his goal when we start, he's obviously going to pull guard. And it, it would be, uh, I don't know. It, it's just if you have a, if you have a, a something that you're working on in your head already, and, and it happens to be top or bottom, try to get to that, and and it could. It could be for everybody to roll with, or maybe just the people who are easier to, uh, you know, maybe put them on their back. You you were able to work your top game with them. 
But I, I do feel, even if you're a guard person, that learning the top game really helps you understand the guard game as well. It's You get to see it from the other side of the fence, you know? You, uh, you can understand, like, every time I do this, I get triangled. And then if you're playing bottom game, and, oh, here's a triangle. Oh, because he did the same thing I was doing. And it just really kind of opens up your eyes from a different perspective. So between yeah. – yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say you were talking about uh, learning from one side of the coin and the other. Um, so if you're going to a gym where you've sort of developed your bottom game first because that was the only option you had, when you start to develop your top game, it, it, it's a good idea to sort of take with you things from your bottom game. If you did a lot of arm bars from the bottom, then when you start playing them out a little bit, maybe that's something you want to look at. If you did a lot of uh, chokes from the bottom, then, you know uh, – some paper cutter chokes or or something of that nature from the top would work too. So, uh, yeah, you don't have to re- completely reinvent your game when you go from top to bottom or vice versa. Just to get something going with, you know, Gary, uh, you're top, you're in, uh, let's say, Joe's guard. Like a perfect flow of uh, movement. Where do you go from Joe's guard? Well, I'm trying to pass. You know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I, I want to pass that guard. Um, you know, the minute I pass, I want to now set up a Gamora. That's me. Um, I, I want to put some pressure on him, make him turn away, and then I'm going to slowly ease the, I'm going to ease the pressure off. I'm going to block his hips. I'm going to try to make him turn into me. And uh, as he starts turning, I'm going to grab his chin, you know, maybe look for a guillotine. When his hand comes down to his chin, I'm going to expose his arm for a Kimura and uh, hopefully finish right then. That's uh, That would be my ideal uh, ideal path to a finish from Joe's guard. How about you, Joe? How can Joe be in his own guard? I don't know. How would you pass your own guard and then submit yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, we don't have enough time for that one, guys. <laughs> well, you could videotape it for us. We don't want to see that. Oh, man. So, mm, yeah. so, let's, so I, say, let's say you're in, in my guard. What, what, would you, uh, what would be like the ideal flow to get to where you want to be? Well, uh, let's, let's not say it's your guard. Let's say, say it's somebody of uh, comparable skill and athletic ability to me. Um, okay, I, so my guard. <laughs> I wasn't going there, Gary. Um, so some, o- some I, other I, Gary's guard. That's right. We know there's plenty of other Gary's, and there's most a lot. Of the, Kas- Kasparov's guard. Most of them that we talked about recently do not do jujitsu. So let's say I'm going against one of those guys. <laughs> then, then when I'm inside his guard, I'm going to slap on an Americana. <laughs> no, um, uh, neck crank. <laughs> exactly. Can opener. <laughs> Oh man, this is derailed. <laughs> no, I so I do a lot of low passing. Uh, my first option is to try and put my knee behind his tailbone and and flare the other knee out, and break the guard, and come up into a combat base. And uh, from there, if if I uh, sometimes I'll go to half guard on purpose from there, and um, and sometimes I'll end up by default if they've you know playing pretty good defense. If I go to half guard. I'll go for a Kimura, or I really, really like the uh, Ezekiel choke from top half guard. And if I get, if uh, I go to side control, I'll usually go knee on belly and then end up north-south with a Kimura or spinning around for the arm bar. I like it, Joe. Thanks, man. Myron, 
Now it's your turn. So I'm going to pass the best for last. Well, I'm going to pass a Gary's guard, not this particular Gary. Gary, I do have a lot of trouble passing uh, your guard, and just just a, a passing tip is uh, people like like when I rolled Gary, I ha- if I pass to my left. I have almost a no percent chance of passing the guard. I get caught up. I get stuck. I have to back out and try it again. It just doesn't work for me. The only way I could possibly pass uh, Gary's guard is if I pass to my right. It it Some of his offense is a little bit off for him, I think, and, and maybe the passes I do that direction work a little easier for me against him, and it's uh, down to the realm of possibilities. <laughs> but I don't remember the last time I've passed your guard to my left. I, I still try it occasionally because, uh, you know, going passing one direction for a little while and then switching is is a great uh, tool to have in the tool bag because it's just it's confusing to the person, and a lot of times when, when somebody commits to defending a pass one direction, they they are set up incorrectly to defend the pass from the other way. And so if you're able to to blend those together, it, it does make passing a lot easier. And it, it, I could spend all day not passing his guard one direction, and then I could sometimes get a pass the other way, you know, without being exhausted. <laughs> but a pass to uh, – a lot of times when I pass uh, to the right, I'm passing to a half guard. I like a guillotine from there from the top, or at least threaten a guillotine from the top. A lot of times the threatened guillotine ends up with me passing – um, if, if I'm able to finish the pass and keep the guillotine cool, if I just finish the pass and the guillotine has gone, I don't complain about that either. I like heavy sight control. I like to put, um, so, uh, I was with my wife this morning and she goes, I go good pressure. She goes, should I put more, more pressure on? I said, yeah, I go, that's fine. And she squeezed harder, but I didn't, I go, I don't feel any additional pressure. Like I could tell she was using, she's, she's trying to, but it, it really matters where you're pressuring. You know, and it's not necessarily fun, but pressuring like on the kind of on the face, pushing their face away from you, that creates a lot of pressure. Pressuring on their ribs, which is ultimately where their lungs are, uh, really cause them to feel that pressure versus just pressuring on someone's stomach or flat against their chest. Like those really don't bother very many people. So uh, I like to, if I pressure, I like to uh, squeeze their ribs with mine and then my far uh, elbow will squeeze their ribs together, kind of uh, push everything together. That seems to generate quite a bit of pressure. Um, I like head and arm chokes from there. I do like transition from mount where I try to get a different guillotine from the mount. Or, uh, you know, arm bars are good. Mike and Moore game, it definitely is lacking. So that's definitely, that's generally not on the table unless I'm in experimental mode or trying to expand what I'm doing with somebody who is of significantly less skill where even then Mike and Moore still pretty much suck. <laughs> You know what I like is you're talking about uh, you may be in half guard and you're you're grabbing a guillotine, but, you know, it's really more for the passing. You know, if uh, if everything comes out right, you're going to you're going to, you know, make the guy gurgle and uh, submit him. But, uh, you know, it's a twofold process. Uh, you know, you made it kind of sound like, hey, I, I grabbed the guillotine. Not 100% sure if I'm getting it, but he's going to have to defend, and sometimes that leads to a pass. And as soon as I pass, then I give him that crippling pressure and, and go from where I need to go there. And and I think that's a lot of it. A lot of the times we may grab for a wrist, we may grab for the neck, we may you know do whatever, but it's we're thinking a couple steps down the road where we're hey if this actually works and you know, everything, you know, works out right. We're going to finish with this, but I'm grabbing this to get there 
their mind off of keeping me locked into half guard. Maybe, uh, you know, they'll drop a foot and, you know, I can pop and, you know, block the hips. And, um, you know, so that's one thing I never understood at, at lower belts. And, you know, I was always hoping that someday I would start getting to that level where, you know, I, I may do something. It may look like I'm looking for a submission, but, you know, I'll take the submission if it works, but, but I'm, you know, looking a couple steps ahead. I'm hoping that, you know, maybe I can pass the guard based off of him a little worried about his neck. And then, uh, you know, then I'm going to go down to whatever path I want to from that, from once I pass the guard. You're, hey, you're just talking about choking people made joke off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe, I think he tapped. You got so, that uh, joke sunk in tight, Gary. Yep. So let's, uh, you know, slap hands, fist bump, and let's get it back at it. Yeah, we've all experienced those passes where the person is applying so much pressure, so much discomfort. It's like, pass already. I'll deal with that. Yeah. And yeah. That's what I think of when I think of pressure passing. Yeah. Not not you know, fast, but just kind of grueling. And, and they want you to go ahead and finish before you're done. Yep. You know, one mistake I made, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a mistake, but it made me realize I got to work on frames and, and not let this happen. But sometimes I get too comfortable working my half guard and and I spent like a year always letting people start inside control to to really work my escapes and you know my escapes got pretty good I thought but um boy when I go against somebody who's really really good and and you know there's sometimes when people are passing my guard and kind of like what Joe was saying earlier I may just let it happen um you know just for I guess we'll call it convenience sake. You know, I don't want to get tired. I, um, you know, I feel like I can get out, but what happens to guys who have really good top pressure and top game? And this is why, you know, I think it's so important to, you know, being a guard player myself is man, sometimes those people pass and, you know, I think I'm pretty good escapes and I'm going to get the underhook and I'm going to pop out, man, those people with a great pressure, great control, I'm stuck there for 10, 15 minutes till I break and uh, end up giving him uh, an arm or a neck and get tapped out. So, um, you know, one thing I realized, and, you know, I know we've talked about this a couple episodes back, probably 20 episodes back, is, uh, you know, I really need to work a lot harder on my frames um, when I do get in that position because those guys who can pass and put that pressure on and make you move in ways you don't want to move. They're, they're going to break you mentally. They're going to break you physically. They're going to take your heart. They're going to take your arm. They're going to take your neck. They're going to take whatever they want. And it's never fun to let that person pass and just be helpless and uh, be a rag doll for the next couple of minutes until I, until I get submitted. You know, guys, I was listening to both of you talk, and I, it kind of occurred to me that the, the most pressure you ever get is when somebody's using a multiplier. Like when I'm in just regular side control and, and let's say I, I'm not taking any grips or anything, I'm just applying pressure with my own weight and even if I'm driving off my toes, you know, that provides a little bit of pressure. But when we're talking about stack passes and over-under passes and stuff, you're putting the same pressure on, but you're also got the person folded in half. And so you're compressing them as well as putting your body weight on. And sometimes from side control, you can get a, a gift wrap or something, you know, and then you're, you're putting pressure by having their shoulder across their chin and you can pull on that arm. If you're in the gi, if you can get grips when you're in side control on the other side and use that to strengthen your lever, those are the type of multipliers that really make 
top pressure, hard to deal with. You know, Joe, that made me start thinking about something is you, you were talking about getting folded up. Um, you know, it's never fun when, you know, your legs are stuck behind your head, your, your <laughs> torso is getting twisted one way. And, you know, this may sound kind of stupid and maybe think I'm trying to be funny, but I was just thinking, uh, you ever watch those like magician shows and, uh, they always have a helper that they stick into a box that there's no way they should be fit into. And I was like, man, one of those people who've been doing that their whole life, they'd probably be pretty good on the bottom in jujitsu. You could fold them in half and, uh, it wouldn't even bother them. They would just be sitting there like, Hey, nothing's happened. And, uh, you're just, you know, trying to put more and more pressure, and that guy's just sitting there like nothing's happened, and he's going to break your will because it's not working for you. And they're tough as nails because I've seen them saw their legs clean off, and they seem to just sit there smiling, and then before you know it, they're back attached. If I'd like to give a warning to all listeners. Please do not attempt that stunt. <laughs> uh, saw sawing your leg off stunt. Not the not pressure the one, stunt. Uh, putting yourself in uh, in a box. <laughs> yeah, if Gary, if Gary ever asked you to do it in a box or a barrel or any such thing, just say no. Just you don't no. want to go there. Yeah, because you may, if I put you in a barrel, you may end up going over Niagara Falls. Break the wrist and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good points, though, Joe, about uh, like a force multiplier. It could be... It, it matters where the pressure is, matters how it's being applied. But th- there'll be a day, if whoever's listening, if you're listening and you're fairly new to this, there'll be a day when you could, if you weigh 150 pounds, it feels like you weigh 250 pounds. Like, if you, it, Byron, you are that guy. Well, I'm getting closer to the 250 mark every day with, with all these desserts on me. <laughs> yeah. No, Byron, you, you know, Byron's a little skinny guy with not much muscle. Well, actually, no muscle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when he takes his shirt off, you, you actually try not to laugh people people bring me you, nourishment usually yeah i tell you byron gets you inside control Ugh, it's not fun and byron was talking about uh me uh my guard hard to pass and here i am telling you i let people pass my guard ain't no way i'm letting byron pass my guard because when byron does pass it and, and he was kind of joking earlier because he passes it often uh it's brutal it's not fun at all and um if every day was like that, I probably wouldn't train jiu-jitsu as much as I do. Um, actually, I'd probably train more because I would uh, try to get better and uh, not get put in those positions and try to figure out how to escape. But, Byron, your your pressure, you know, for having such skinny little weakling arms is brutal. Gary. Gary. Gary, you yes. know, we're only, we're only going to be able to joke around about that for a few more months because Byron's New Year's resolution was to do – curls in the squat rack every day for 2019 so how's that going by when you getting them guns on yet there are so many haters at the gym Uh, when i get on that squat rack start curling it's like yeah well i mean we also have another audio book it's called byron's abc workout and uh you know when i asked byron what's abc stand for byron said all bench and curls that's all he does (laughs) Down to the fundamentals, Gary. Solid fundamentals. We're talking about uh, just top control and pressure and that sort of thing. Uh, gi and no gi. I think of, you know, now I'd say like most of the time on the show, we don't even talk about one or the other. We just talk about grappling and it's it's open for either one. And the same, like the, the, the way I described how I was going to pass guard and, and get to a winning position 
Sa- exact same plan, Gearnoki. It doesn't to me. It it doesn't. Uh, I try not to overuse the gi because I get in situations where I don't get to train gi for a little while, and uh, like I can't work on what I want to work on. So I I know I strategically would be better off using the gi more often. Uh, in gi, you know, it helped me a lot, a lot with the gi, but it, it's just. I don't want to feel like I'm missing out when it's gone. So I just tend to not use it. I know I'm not as good of a gi player as I should be. Yeah, with me being mostly a no-gi guy, well, just about only a no-gi guy, it's uh, when I do put the gi on, I tell you, there are some pleasant surprises. Like when I'm trying to pass and, you know, I can grab the pant legs and, uh, you know, post my weight down so they can't move their leg and move around to another side. So, uh, you know, it... I think sometimes the gi can bring me some extra grips, you know, when I'm passing to, you know, staple down a, a body part so it can't move. Um, but when I'm on the other side, um, on the bottom and somebody's passing me, I, I'm not as well versed. So, uh, you know, it affects me uh, probably even more in that situation. Yeah, so in- interesting uh, additional topic, Byron. I think when I'm in the gi, I use grips a lot. Like when I play uh, close guard, I really like the uh, cross collar grip and sleeve grip, and uh, the scissor sweep's usually my first option, and then a, a choke after that. But when I roll Noki and I uh, end up in close guard or pull guard, I don't have a moment where, oh crap, the grips aren't there. I just sort of naturally go for the uh, Kawara grip on the other arm and maybe a sit up sweep or something and play, play a different game. So, uh, Maybe um, maybe that helps keep me well rounded because I'm doing different things when I roll gi and when I roll no gi, or maybe it uh, is keeping me from being the best at a, a certain game. I don't know which is which is better, but that that's kind of the way I do it. Or probably both. Probably like you're not you you are more well well rounded, but you're more probably well not rounded. not the best you could be at gi specifically. Yeah, yeah. Like if I only did gi, or if when I was in the gi, I did no gi type grappling, and I always went for my opponent's left arm for a kimura or for a sweep in that direction. I would get better at that, but then I would lose uh, some of the sweeps and chokes I like going the other direction. So I don't know. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing for now. Yep, keep on keeping on, Joe. Uh, with with the gi on, I feel that I could generate more pressure. Do, do you guys, uh, Joe, <laughs> uh, do, do, you, do you agree to my, that? My favorite pressure from top is knee on belly, and I get a good grip behind the neck on their collar and a good grip on their pants, and there's no way you can generate that pressure without uh, without the gi, I think. So um, I agree 100%, Byron. So it's it's uh, that's something to consider. I mean, if you if you, I think it's also with some of the pressure passing, they're a little more secure with the gi. Uh, your grip's a little easier to to hold on to, and and it's it's a little harder to for the bottom person to disengage just because of the you know it, it's hard to disengage when somebody's holding on to your gi versus no gi, a little sweatier. Uh, you know, push on them a little bit, create some space. It's not quite as difficult. So. I would say overall, you know, obviously neon belly, like Joe pointed out, but overall, I think pressure is more of a of a factor in the key game. 
Or it's maybe yeah, it's, it's could, just easier to generate. Yeah, I could see that. It seems like it's easier to more. You can generate more pressure with the holds, and um, you know you can deliver that you know soul stealing pressure that uh, you know just really makes people just want to quit. So, what are some of the advantages of uh, of playing a top game? Advantage of safe. Um, you know, it's it's a lot safer in the top game. You're, you know, you have mount, you have side control. You know, without getting swept, you're not getting submitted from that position when you're on top. Um, uh, you know, just a lot more safety. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, it's such an advantageous position. I mean, you know, jujitsu, self defense. Um, you know, very advantageous. But um, you know, a lot of. Uh, a lot of submissions open up, uh, you know, big control position. Um, I, I don't know. I guess just uh, the safety factor and uh, the offensive, you know, weapons available from from those positions. Not okay. Uh, I like to replace the re- your word safety for defense. Like, um, you know, it doesn't sound like you're concerned about actually getting injured. It's just like it's you're like you're not getting attacked when you're on the top. Yeah, like in yeah. Second I, I'm right? saying that like. You know, if I got mount, you're not throwing a triangle. Yeah, on me, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. When I say safety, I'm talking about, uh, you know, safety from, uh, you know, submissions. You yeah. know, I got side control on me. You're, you're not going to, you know, put me in a guillotine. Um, if you do, you're probably going to get von flute. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, I, I, you know, and I, I feel like you, you don't waste as much energy. Um, you know, the guy on the bottom can't breathe, plus he's trying to... Uh, trying to move to escape he needs to create a little bit of space where i'm not using as much energy i don't feel as the guy on the bottom so my gas tank isn't you know being dwindled uh, down to the bottom as quick as the uh, the guy below me yeah you have the advantage of gravity <laughs> which is literally yeah. the whole world kind of a big deal <laughs> very big deal that's, I mean, if you look at side control, it's largely the same thing from top or bottom, except for the person on top has like a space to move into. But is the advantage of gravity is big. You look at the mount, like versus guard. If it was outer space, a mount is the guard. It's just the fact that you get to have a gravity on your side um, here on Earth, where most of us are grappling. Now, I haven't confirmed. But there's a you know I don't know for sure that nobody's listening to this in space. I would just assume that you know, no, I would assume nobody has. <laughs> I just thought about that. That would be cool to be the first person who does jujitsu in space or on another planet or or even in a spaceship. I just think that would uh, zero I mean, gravity. It, yeah, has anybody tried it? I mean, uh, I I, I want to say I've seen I've seen some um, skydive grappling. Okay. On YouTube, that that's pretty close. Yeah, that's they try to rip each other's parachutes off. It's a crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if they go that far, Byron. I hope they're wearing a helmet, Byron. <laughs> yes, yeah. that helps. Yeah, yeah, and I and I've seen zero gravity skateboarding before uh, in a military plane that was at the uh, edge of our. Uh, yeah, you know so. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did jujitsu already, but if not, maybe we should get ahead of that, guys. We'll start yeah, and go find me to send Gary up there and uh, and do some grappling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's use me as the uh, the scapegoat. No, it would Might be as a, well do another 
Might as well play another joke on me. You, know, you, guys, <laughs> you guys are always playing jokes on me. You know, I am really upset with you guys right now. And, uh, you know, I think I'm just going to leave this podcast right now. I, I'm just going to walk away to, out of this episode. Oh, Carrie. Well, let me sincerely apologize for hurting your feelers. No, yeah. I'm not going to uh, take that apology. You know, I'll think about coming back next week, guys. Well, here's yeah. a, okay, everybody, everybody listening, we're having a problem here on the show. If your name is Gary, we'd like you to apply for Gary's spot because we clearly need a Gary, but we don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there you guys go again. You know, I've just about had it. I think uh, I think I'm out of here, guys. Okay, now that Gary's gone, we can talk about him. <laughs> Uh, one of the things I, I want to mention is the mental aspect of the top game. If if you, I don't know, I think there's an advantage to, to being on top. Like, as a, as a, if I'm playing top, I could feel like, okay, I'm in a ton of trouble from this guy's guard. That, that sure, that happens. You know, you kind of, okay, he's setting up a triangle, oh, this is deep, everything's tight, okay, I'm in trouble. But I've never really, like, just felt that it was like a daunting task to prevent an onslaught from someone's guard. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm sure those guys exist, but generally, like an evenly matched thing, I'm not going to get mentally defeated trying to pass someone's guard. But it's happened, you know, someone's passing my guard. Okay, they pass, I recover. They slice through again. I re- like, like that could that could wear on somebody and and, and make them just mentally frustrated to have. Uh, you know, to be getting attacked constantly and getting their guard pass and having to struggle. I just feel um, I have a sl- at least when I play jujitsu, I have a slight mental advantage. Um, uh, in a a lot of my jujitsu is is like kind of like uh, a lighter speed, playful jujitsu, but like in a competitive role where where it's me and a, another upper belt and we're going pretty hard. Uh, mentally, I. Uh, I'm doing better if I'm on the top. And that may be because I prefer it, but um, it just feels like I have, uh, like the wind in my sails. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, Now, I have rolled with a few guys that have such slippery guards that it can get uh, frustrating even being on top. But for the most part, um, I would agree with you, Byron. Being on top is better. Uh, one thing that I think Gary touched on a little bit before he got uh, his feelings hurt and left was <laughs> <laughs> was you know talking about uh, being safer on top, and uh, I think he was talking mostly from an in the gym standpoint. But at his core, jujitsu is a self defense art, and I think at least half the people probably have put some value on that. And the mental aspect of not being on your back if you were to get attacked in some way, I think is huge. Plus the ability to disengage, you know, is huge. So from a couple aspects, uh, being on top is better. Yeah, those are awesome. The 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 other thing with the self-defense aspect, I think I – when I started getting a lot more confidence in my psych control escapes, I really felt like – well, no one's going to just beat me up. <laughs> um, you know, like against, you know, some random guy on the street, I could always escape from, a, you know, a side control position. And, you know, if I could do that, they're unlikely to get mounted, unlikely to even start a submission if I'm escaping quickly. And so, like, 
there's confidence in being able to play the top game, and then there's confidence in having quick escapes from bad positions and even just recovering guard. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that there's so if you look at the point system with jujitsu, uh, they give you two points for a takedown, and so or they give you two points for a sweep. So in a way, they're re, they're rewarding the the top players for that. They don't penalize guard pullers. Or, you know, you, you could. There's a million different tournaments where things happen, but uh, overall, you could. If if I pull guard against Joe, no points exchanged. But if Joe was able to take me down, and ended up in 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 uh, my guard, even though it's the same position, he's getting two points for that. So to me. It it does show that there's an intrinsic value to being on top. If 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 I'm able to sweep Joe, and end up on top, even if I end up in his guard, two points for that move. So there is uh, in in which you would consider a neutral position guard. There is a, an underlying uh, value placed in the, in the point system. I think it's justified. I mean. If 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 I sweep Joe to and I end up in Joe's guard, not I'm not sweeping Joe to mount or to side control. I'm sweeping from guard to guard. They still give me two points for that because that is uh, an advantage for somebody, and it's the advantage for me. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So you, you, me, and Gary are just three guys who've been doing jujitsu for a while, uh, expressing our opinion that the top game has a lot of advantages. But as you're talking, I'm thinking that the best minds of jujitsu. We're the ones that designed the system as we practice today, designed the uh, competition and and the point systems. And so, yeah, you get a word of points for sweeping or taking your opponent down and ending up on top. You get more points when you take mount, which is a, a more dominant position, and you take even more points when you get back, which is the most dominant position, especially from the uh, angle that Eric, Gary kept coming in at with not taking any punishment, not taking any risk. If you get your opponent's back and you can maintain that position, uh, you're not likely to take any punches, kicks, or submission attempts. So, so yeah, it was smarter guys than us that uh, made this assertion first. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Joe. It, but I'm not saying... There, there are many world champions that go out there, pull guard, and get the job done. <laughs> that's just... That's just good guard work. It happens all the time, it, and you can even see it by different weight classes. Some prefer to to, to play bottom versus top, but um, there's definitely some some values to to pulling guard, and there's values to being on top. And it it's kind of funny that that the weight alone dictates how they how they play because we're all playing under the same rules. You'll see heavyweights fight for top position for the entire match. You'll see uh, two guys in the in the lower weight division both want to pull guard. Under the same rule set. I mean, it, it's kind of uh, kind of weird if you think about it. Like nobody's getting penalized for um, you know pulling guard necessarily, <laughs> but that you know the lighter weight division seems to want to do that more often. And in the heavyweights, they know if they end up on their back, they're going to be in a lot of trouble, and so they they fight hard to to play that top game. And that's that's one uh, thing you could do if if you're wanting to compete. Is look at your weight class, look at your if your age group and your skill level, and watch some matches from that, and see what people are wanting to do. Odds are 
they're going to want to do the same thing. Even if they're not the same people, um, there's kind of trends that happen and, uh, and they're kind of dictated a lot by just the weight classes and ages alone. Man, without Gary here, hey, I'll just say this real quick. Uh, stay tuned to the very end. We'll air what happened with Gary. <laughs> uh, because right now it might seem like he just left in a, in a fit of rage. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll clear the air on that Gary. But I'm glad Joe has written the article this week, not Gary. Yeah, otherwise we'd be stuck and lost, right? Yes, we would. We'd be pushing that bell and and, and not hitting the right part of the wall at all. That right. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why would that make sense, Joe? It would not. So if you were with us last week, uh, you remember we talked about Gary's article, and it was written uh, by request of Byron, who sent both Gary and I a picture and said, hey, write an article about this. And in the picture, there's a little button, which I assume rings a bell. And on one side of the button, there's a sign that you can only half read that I assume says, please ring for assistance. And on the other, there's a sign that says, please ring this bell for attention and an arrow pointing the wrong way. And Gary wrote a really good article about misdirection, uh, which was great. I, I took a simpler approach, and I figured I was smart enough to realize when they said ring this bell for attention that they were talking about the bell that I could see and not the imaginary bell where the arrow was pointing at. And I wrote an article from the standpoint of sometimes you walk into a business, there's nobody up front, uh, they're all back in the shop, and there's a sign that says ring bell for service. If you don't see that sign or you don't act upon that sign, you can do all kinds of things to try and get somebody to come out and help you, and it's not going to work. You can wave your arms and jump around. Nobody can see you. You can holler. They can't hear you from in the back. But if you ring that bell, you'll hear a large, a loud buzzer going off back in the shop, and that someone come up and help you. And I likened that to when you're playing jujitsu and you're going against a really good defensive player and maybe you get side control but they're not opening anything up uh you, you can't get the forearm you can't get uh grips on the collar they're keeping their chin tucked so you can do all kinds of things to try and and advance your game but sometimes there's just a bell you got to ring and in this case it might be neon belly you know you you abandon the side control attacks that you're launching you pop up the neon belly and you put some pressure on and uh maybe the uh far side hand will come on your knee and the elbow will flare out as they try and push your knee off and there you go you got an attack you know or if you got somebody in your guard and they're just they're keeping their elbows in tight they're keeping their posture up um you know you, you got to develop some timing and understand how to pull the elbows out and uh you, you do everything on time uh, with the right technique and, and they're going to plant the hand they're going to fall forward uh but if you don't know that you can do all kinds of gyrating from the bottom and you're not going to accomplish anything so that was the direction i took it byron uh what do you think man yeah you make some good points in that one and uh i do check out if you if you hadn't checked it out check out the article because the picture helps make sense of what he's talking about but uh you just the, there could be a times in in just and typically it's for me i've studied up on something let's just say i've studied on head and arm chokes 
I'm, I'm doing a lot of research. I grabbed my wife. Hey, let me try this real quick. Let me, I got a different way to do this. And, and, and maybe before class, I, I run through a couple things. And then I get side control, and I want to set it up. And it's just not there. I, I can't get the arm in the right position, or, or maybe I, I can't maintain side control, or something isn't right about it. And I could just work so hard for this one thing, when oftentimes I'd be better off to just switch gears a little bit and, and do something else and, uh, and not run into that, that brick wall over and over again. For, yeah, the help's not there. It's not there. So you gotta, you gotta find that button and uh, push it. Yeah. And go from there. I've got, it's been a little while, but I was in, in a home Depot and I wanted to get a, an extra key made for my house and nobody was around and there wasn't even like a bell for service or anything. And so, uh, I start looking at the machine and there's directions on the machine. I'm like, I think I could, I could, I'm gonna at least try this. And sure enough, I get that machine fired up and people came over to help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where I thought you were going with that. I've been in the same boat before. So it's like, if you, if you kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it ring bell for service or just meander back to the warehouse and they'll be shocked that you showed up. But they'll help you. <laughs> so, so see that—that's just it. When it comes to the article, when you're grappling and you find yourself in a position with a, a stagnant or a really tight opponent, maybe good defense, there's no sign that points to the bell to ring. You got to know that. That's that's what you got to figure out about jujitsu. Is how do I make my opponent move? You know, if if you're bottom mount, uh, you got to get the timing and the technique of that bump and and bridge. You got to get the, you got to get that right because that's the key to making your opponent move. If you can make a move, then you, you can create an option. Yep, that's a good article, Joe, and I appreciate you rising to the challenge of being sent an image and writing an article based on that. Very impressive. Well, you know, doing the best we can, me and Gary. <laughs> yeah, check out <laughs> last week's episode slash article, and uh, we cover Gary's in that. Uh, I, I have want to thank our Patreon supporters for their support uh, via the Patreon outlet. If you want to send us some support, go to our Patreon link on the show notes. Most supporters are pledging a dollar per episode, and the money goes and helps the show. And we're hoping to do some pretty cool things in the future uh, with the show and the podcast and the website and all this stuff. Uh if you are a Patreon supporter, I will mail you at a five-inch BJJ brick gi patch and a sticker, as like a tokens of appreciation for you. Because you know, you guys are literally the biggest fans that we have are the ones that are that are supporting us on Patreon. We have a lot of people who listen every week. That's great. If if supporting the show is at all difficult for you financially, just keep listening, keep training. Those are the those are the things we want you to do. But if you if you're in a position in life where an extra episode, extra you know dollar a week could go to the show, man, we would appreciate that greatly. I have scoured the list looking for a Gary. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any Garys as Patreon supporters. Uh, we do have a Greg. So I want to give a special shout out to to Greg this week uh, for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much for your continued support on Patreon. Yeah, we appreciate that, guys. And uh, make sure and check us out on social media. We've got a YouTube channel. Byron's pretty active there. We've got a Facebook channel. We try and uh, post something you might find uh, comedic or inspiring. 
you know, there's some content on there. Check us out. Make a comment. Give us a like. And uh, download our app. It's the easiest way to get the podcast every week. So you can find it in the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store. Yep. Last week we had a uh, a question from a listener. Send in questions. BJJBreak at gmail.com. That would be kind of a, a, a nice segment to be able to answer questions uh, on, a, on a regular basis. In order to do that, we need some questions. <laughs> so send them in at bjbrick at gmail.com, or you could send us a message through Facebook and, and hopefully remember. A lot of times we'll just respond right away and just, hey, yeah, try this or whatever. But what we need to be doing is, is bringing those questions on the show and covering them in some sort of a mailbag style of segment. And uh, the best I can do right now is we had a comment on a YouTube video not too long ago. Good podcast. You guys can make it better, though, by not going on and on about your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we resemble that comment. Yes. We work very hard to make that happen. And uh, thank you for appreciating part of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he sent us a private message later, said... Uh, I edited out all the corny jokes of your podcast and then listened to it. It was a great 15 minutes of content. <laughs> yeah, this one would be tough. Uh, usually we have an interview where there's less jokes, but uh, yeah, the, the uh, last episode of the month, it would be very difficult. But without Gary, we're a lot more serious. Gary? Okay. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, I'll air a little clip right now explaining uh, really what happened to Gary. <laughs> We'd like you to apply for Gary's spot because we clearly need a Gary, but we don't need to. <laughs> yep, there you guys go again. You know, I've just about had it. I think uh, I think I'm out of here, guys. Well, Joe, uh, <laughs> now that the top game has left, <laughs> man, I'm really sorry that you're offended by that, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here anymore. He's one but of those no, guys, guys. I'm really not mad at these guys. I just have somewhere I have to go right now. And uh, so. Oh, it is 220, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Man. Adios. Time went by quick. And I will see you guys next week, but these guys will finish the show off without me. So I know it's probably not going to be as good as it was. Gary, previously. so yes. you're not mad at us? Oh, I'm mad you at you. You got guys. a game. Well, you I get back with revenge. Okay, you'll have fun at the at the game. We forgot, man. We started a little later than we thought, and then we got confused with all this stuff. I think stuff. you should cut the last part out, because that's what I was trying to do, but you guys didn't get it. I didn't realize well, it. Well, the time had already passed. Let, yeah. Let's just close the show, and then Byron can edit it uh, and make it work. <laughs> Gary, you got to go, don't you? I mean, you're, you got you to walk out the door now? Yeah, I really all do right. got to go. But Gary, I was thinking you guys could just use that and pretend like I got mad at you. Cut out the last part and pretend like I left. <laughs> That's what I was planning on doing. Uh, I thought that would be good. But, yes, sorry, guys. I really do got to cruise on right, out of oh, here. Peace out, Gary. Maybe okay. you'll be on next yep. week. Maybe we'll have a different Gary. There you all go. Right. You never I know will who will fly. Yep. Take care, guys. Bye. Okay, now that Gary's gone, we can talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. man, the show's never going to be the same. I can't believe it's Joe. already been. Okay, so w- what happened was, and it was a little confusing, is we had plenty of time, but some of the time kind of got uh, wasted waiting for somebody to update their Skype, Gary. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Well, and then we kept getting uh, derailed by corny jokes, Gary. So, yeah, the show went longer than we expected. 
it, it's not even that long of a show, but we had we had an hour and a half built in, and then we didn't get to start until you know well into that. Uh, one of the thing I I wanted to mention is the mental aspect of the top game. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's as close as I think we get to doing a prank on you guys. As Gary quit fake quitting the show, he had a, a ball game to get to, and uh, he kind of. Uh, I, I didn't realize that the time had had gone that far. Did you, Joe? No, I thought it was another corny joke by Gary when he started talking about he was going to leave us. And then he didn't. Like, if he would have hung up, we would have figured. He could have texted us. He could have just hung up and sent us a text, but he he, he, uh, he didn't do that. It's hard to... I'm not good at hanging up on somebody either. <laughs> but anyway, we look forward to, to bringing you guys another show next week. Until then, get on the mats. Stay sweaty, my friends. And don't forget to stay on top. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.